It's the 28th of June, 2019. This is the Room Now Week in Review. I'm Dr. Jack Cush, Executive Editor of RoomNow.com. This week, we're going to discuss neuropathies in lupus, what happens with infection when you do joint replacement, and lastly, what's in shortage as far as the CDC is concerned. Our first report is a meta-analysis of patients in methotrexate toxicity. Um, Dr. Solomon and colleagues looked at a lot of studies, 20 studies, um, 20 randomized trials, over almost 4,000 reports, um, and estimated that the rate of toxicity of um, um, alopecia is 1 to 5%, 1 to 4.9% with methotrexate, and the risk of stomatitis with methotrexate is, guess, what do you think? If you guess 20% too high, 5.7 to 8%. I would say that alopecia is about on par and probably closer to 1% based on my years of practice. And the stomatitis, um, I think it varies on whether you're soliciting that report or not. Again, this is a, since this is a drug-related stomatitis, it should be painful oral ulcers, not painless, uh, and should be readily apparent. I think this number is a little lower than what I would expect, but nonetheless, it's what the data says from a very large number of studies. How do you manage this? Well, alopecia, I don't have a solution. When it rarely happens, I think your only choice is to stop the drug and find another option. If you have stomatitis, I got a solution. As you know, I've talked about this before, but vitamin A every day. That's oral ulcerations are improved in 70% of people by taking 8,000 units of vitamin A every day. Do it, try it, you'll be surprised. Folic acid manipulation is not gonna help either of these situations. And that's my experience and expertise on this. Uh, also, there's a Cochrane analysis that would say the same thing. A Norway study of GCA patients looked at what happens to GCA patients as far as the risk of death. Now, these are older patients getting a serious inflammatory vasculopathy. Uh, and you would think that that plus the drugs that they use, maybe there'd be a higher risk of death. Well, when I looked at uh, almost 800 GCA patients and matched that one to four against normal age match controls, they found no overall difference in survival between the two groups. They did have a higher rate of cardiovascular death in the GCA patients with about a 31% increased risk or a hazard ratio of 1.31. And strangely, unexpectedly, there's a lower risk of cancer death in patients who had GCA with a 44% drop or a hazard ratio of 0.56. Maybe if you live this long and get this diagnosis, your immune system is not gonna give you cancer, but is gonna give you GCA. Uh, that's just a theory, but I, it's hard to explain these results. The cardiovascular death makes sense. Inflammation, steroid use, etc. cetera. Uh, an Italian study looked at the, um, what happens when you take RA patients and put them into remission. They took uh, almost 800 patients, 795 RA patients, uh, and studied them in, in um, as far as their clinical outcomes and what happened to them subsequently. What they did show was that achieving remission was associated with a significant reduction in subclinical atherosclerosis by 75%, and amongst these patients who did well, 80, 88, 88% were on methotrexate and 60% were on biologics, suggesting, again, that if you control inflammation, there are downstream consequences to that, meaning there's gonna be less cardiovascular uh, disease, less atherosclerotic disease. Um, a nice study looked at neuropathies. Um, as you know, that uh, neuropathies was actually a session uh, at ULAR and, and neuropathy and lupus. This particular study looked at 1,200 patients with, lu with lupus and found that only 7% 
had any one of the various kinds of peripheral nervous system disease, what I'll just call peripheral neuropathy. But really, um, uh, of that 7%, only two-thirds of them were attributable to lupus. Um, the most common manifestation was a peripheral polyneuropathy seen in 43% of individuals. Those who are more likely to have peripheral neuropathies uh, were elderly. They had higher disease activity as measured by the SLIC and the SLEED I2K. Um, and they were more likely to have Sjogren's livido hypertension and diabetes. So again, suggesting maybe some of those are responsible for the neuropathy. But neuropathy really isn't that common a manifestation in lupus. You should probably think of drugs and these other comorbidities as causes for it, for it when it happens. Um, a nice study looked at what happens with hip and knee replacement in almost 3,000 RA patients and 112,000 OA patients. That they saw that while the RA patients had more infections compared to OA patients, a 30% increased risk after having a hip or knee replacement, turns out RA patients were actually um, had fewer VTEs, venous thromboembolic events, compared to OA patients. If you, on, if you had RA and you're on a biologic, you had a similar infectious risk, but actually VTE, VTE risk goes up, suggesting maybe more inflammation from RA might drive that VTE risk, and maybe there's a contribution by some of these drugs. Uh, not just the uh, JAK inhibitors, uh, we've seen VTE increases with uh, TNF inhibitors as well. A study looked at what happens when you give psoriatic arthritis patients a loading dose of secukinumab or not. In this particular study, this is a future four study, I believe, 341 patients were randomized to either a loading dose of secukinumab or not. Everybody got 150 milligrams in the usual dose. And at week 16, the ACR20 responses were the same, 41 and 39%, whether you were getting it with or without the loading dose. Although that the ones with the loading dose did have a slightly earlier response, there were no other, no other differences in outcome. This is a lot like other studies in rheumatology where we forego the loading dose, the screwiness of the loading dose, you know, 100 milligrams of Areva before you do 20 milligrams every day. I mean, again, these things rheumatologists quickly discard because if anything, they are an inconvenience and they may add more to the toxicity profile and don't seem to detract from the efficacy profile of these drugs as they're developed. So this is what I'm doing in practice. I'm not usually giving an IV loading dose of secukinumab. I don't know if you saw the tweet last Friday, but I want to remind you, include it in this report, that the CDC has put out a warning that the PPD that's supplied by one of the main manufacturers is going to be in short supply for the next three to six months. The company that makes this, uh, the product is called uh, Aplisol. Um, the other one, Tubersol, is actually still available. But the Aplisol that you use to do skin testing or PPD skin testing is going to be not available. CDC recommendations in this situation are to either use an IGRA, an IGRA test, the Quantifiron or the TB spot, um, prioritize who needs a skin test, uh, and switching. But they recommend that if you switch from skin test to PPD or PPD to skin testing, you might notice some conversions. Um, that may require some interpretation. So one might have been negative, now it's a low positive. Does it mean anything? Again, it has to require interpretation in light of any recent exposure, in light of the magnitude of response it's seen. Uh, again, if you're not sure what to do, talk to your ID or TB specialist. Uh, a quote that comes from this MMWR paper says, clinicians should assess test results based on a person's likelihood of infection and risk for progression to TB disease if infected. I think those are very sage comments. 
Um, two more reports, three more reports. DMARD success with myositis-related interstitial lung disease. This is a report from Johns Hopkins and their myositis uh, cohort. About 100 patients they, they uh, reviewed who were either treated with azathioprine or mycophenolate. The outcomes were the same, um, especially as far as the pulmonary outcomes. They were looking, looking here, they were looking at myositis-associated interstitial lung disease. So when it looked at FEC responses over a two to five year period, patients did better when they were on DMARDs. They had lower uh, amount of steroid use uh, and they were equally effective. Where there was a slight difference between them was that um, azathioprine might have been slightly better at steroid sparing compared to mycophenolate uh, and that azathioprine group, unlike the mycophenolate group, uh, actually did have a reduction in DLCO uh, percentage after two to five years. Another nice study looked at the um, uh, use of steroids in polymyalgia rheumatica and giant cell arteritis, showing quite convincingly that um, in this very large cohort um, that steroid use increases infectious risk. So overall, they saw that about 55% of patients with either diagnosis had an infection, one infection in the five years of follow-up, and that continued use of steroids was associated with not only increased infection, but an increase of hospitalization and death from infection. The infectious risk at one year on steroids was 18%, at five years, 54%, at 10 years, 77%. Thank God we have an alternative to steroids in PMR, well, certainly in GCA. PMR, I think that that'll happen sometime soon. And lastly, a report from yesterday, mortality in the elderly. I think that this is sort of obvious, but we should think about this. Um, the data basically says that uh, a significant number, 30% of patients um, over the age of 65 will have a fall in the next year. That that fall is associated with significant morbidity, mortality, and healthcare um, utilization that really needs to be dealt with. Uh, in this CDC report um, published in the MMWR shows that individuals over uh, 75, the number of falls has increased substantially between 2000 and 2016. Specifically, they've increased from 8,600 to 25,000 per year. The crude mortality rate doubled from 51 deaths per 100,000 to 122 deaths per 100,000 in 2016. And that this rate of fall is, is sort of correlated with the age of the individual. So at age 75 to 79, the risk of death from fall is 42 per 100,000. But if you look at individuals over the age of 95, the, the risk is 600 per 100,000. Yikes, more than a tenfold increased risk. Again, it's obvious the elderly um, are at risk for falls. They hurt, they get weaker because they get weaker. Um, they do less because they do less, they get weaker, they get, then they hurt more, uh, and then when they try to do something, they don't have the strength and they fall. Uh, I think that what we should be preaching with all of our patients over the age of 65, certainly over the age of 75, is strength is your number one drug. If you're stronger, you're going to have less problems with pain. If you're stronger, you're going to be more independent. If you're stronger, you're going to have less likely a chance of falling and, God forbid, dying from that fall. That's it for this week at Room Now. Go to the website. You can check out these citations and more. Next week, July 4th week, um, Independence Day in the United States, we're on vacation. We're going to be having the best of ULAR on display all week. Hope you enjoy that. We'll see you in two weeks. Enjoy.